Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. My name's Scott Durfee. want to be the first to welcome you. I'm joined, as always, by my partner in this project, my uncle David, Good David Durfee. Good to see Durfee. you, Scott, on a, on a uh, beautiful snowy morning. Yeah. We're getting kind of used to that around here. <laughs> I know. We're yeah. tired of it. Yeah. yeah. Even I'm tired of it, and I'm a, I'm a skier. I love this stuff, but even I'm tired of it. But uh, anyway, we talked recently about how, you know, we see the... Uh, planet earth going through its transformation and you know spring will be here soon and we'll be celebrating the things that we're going to be talking about today and just yeah be- we're in lent season still in lent season beautiful uh, time leading here. up leading up to easter which is soon and general conference coming soon springs around the corner so hang on everybody yeah it's a great time of year who, those who live in a <laughs> in the northern hemisphere hang on for those of you who don't, uh, we're a little bit jealous. If you could just box up some of that warm sunshine and send it to us, that'd be great. Yeah, I really do have a, a seriously a serious request, though. Uh, you've noticed that over the past uh, year or so, as we've been doing this, we've had several uh, great guests on who have talked about the effects, how the effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ have helped them to overcome the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve, and. You know, I think uh, David and I were talking about this this morning, and I think it would be an opportunity or, or, or a great idea if we would invite you to write us emails and share your experiences. They don't have to be long. Uh, they can be long or short, whatever you choose. But uh, we would just like to hear maybe some of your encouragement or encouraging experiences about how you have felt and maybe even as a result of some of the things that in part maybe you've even learned here on this podcast, but uh, maybe just how the atonement of Jesus Christ has helped you to overcome the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve in your life, and uh, we'd love to hear that. So. To, be, to be more specific, Scott, you know, um, we'll talk about this when we talk more about the effects of the atonement right now. We're, we're really focused on the events of the atonement. We'll continue that today and in our next podcast. And then after that, we'll, we'll start to talk about the effects of the atonement. And when we talk about the effects of the atonement, Scott, we're going to talk about how the suffering of Christ overcame uh, not only our sins, but our sicknesses. Uh, our pains. I, I think it would be really interesting, and we would be very grateful for anyone, uh, any of our listeners, who have struggled with physical, emotional uh, pain and sickness, to share with us how the atonement of Jesus Christ has has helped them. I remember asking that question. I, I was uh, invited. I was serving in a stake presidency, but I was invited to another stake when I was back in the Midwest. And I went down to Chicago area to help uh, some train some uh, bishops. The stake president down there invited me to come down and talk to his bishops and their wives. They were kind of doing a retreat. And I went down there, and I was uh, specifically asked to, to speak on the subject of the atonement of Jesus Christ. And... I shared that scripture, of course, in Alma 7, and talked about how he overcame our sins and sicknesses. 
and gave what I thought that meant, a little commentary, and then I asked the, the bishops and their wives, have any of you experienced that? Where, he, he, where the atonement of Jesus Christ, where you felt Christ suckering you in, in your sickness. I will never forget, uh, it was the wife of a member of the stake presidency who shared her experience suffering with cancer and how, and how that was uh, the atonement of Jesus Christ helped her to get through that, that trial, not just endure it, but to actually learn from it and the, the blessing that it was to her in her life, how the atonement of Jesus Christ had made that experience of suffering efficacious, actually, in her life. And uh, I'll never forget that. And if any of you have had those kinds of experiences, uh, we would really be grateful. And when you share them with us, please uh, tell us whether we can use your name or not. You know, if you want to want us to not use your name and, and keep it anonymous, uh, we would certainly respect that. So thank you for considering that invitation. Yeah. You know, I, uh, you, you said this and, you know, and it reminded me of ether 1227, right? And, and, uh, I'll just read it real quick. At least the first part If men come unto me, I will show them their weakness and I give men weakness that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And I think that's what you're talking about, Dave, you know, people that have struggled and had, had, emotional, physical, right. whatever pain. didn't choose. Yeah, stuff we didn't choose. And we know that Heavenly Father gives us sometimes stuff that we don't choose so that we can grow. And but how the Savior's mercy is sufficient, His grace is sufficient to turn weak things yeah. and, I love and how struggles into strengths. I love how you refer to Alma 7, you know, where it, where it talks about the Savior's yeah. suffering in Gethsemane. 11, and, and, it says, through 13. and it says that... Um, <clears throat> He shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. Okay. Yeah, please send those to us. We love to uh, hear your experience, strength, and hope. Anyway, so Dave, here we are. We're uh, talking more about the events of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So where do we go? Well, we, we were going to conclude today talking about Gethsemane, the place of Gethsemane. I, I think Gethsemane, Scott, is maybe even more than a place if i could propose that we think of it more as just a garden i i think gethsemane has a it's a metaphor and a, a symbolic has symbolic meaning you know literally meaning the press the oil press and um, how all the sins and sicknesses sufferings and sorrows of all of God's children pressed, were pressed upon Jesus Christ, not only in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane, I think, is, is, is more than just a place. If we would think of it that way, because there's so many people in the church who say that Jesus paid for all of our sins in Gethsemane. Well, that's that just is not actually or factually true. You know, that's only where it started. Right. We're, we shouldn't become uh, 
stuck in the Garden of Gethsemane and take anything away from what he suffered when he came out of Gethsemane, and especially what he suffered on the cross, which was, according to Elder Talmage, according to Elder McConkie, and our own current prophet and president, Nelson, all of them have taught that the cross, the last three hours on the cross from 12 noon until 3 p.m., when it went dark and he cries out, why hast thou forsaken me, speaking to his father, that Gethsemane reoccurred intensified. So I, I propose that we maybe think of Gethsemane as, as not just being a garden, but being all of the suffering in the garden. Uh, as, he, as he left the garden, Scott, because of what he had suffered in the garden, everything that happened after that would have been exponentially worse. In fact, because we believe that he bled from every pore, uh, he would have been completely bruised, his whole body, right? What's a bruise? A ruptured vein or artery or capillaries? He would have been, his whole body was bruised. It, his it, Think how hard it would have been for him to even, if he bled truly, and we believe that he did, Scott, from every pore, I, I take that word every literal, his feet would have been bruised. Even to walk would have been painful. Even to be kissed on the cheek by the traitor Judas would have caused him more than just emotional pain because he was being uh, sold out by Judas. Even that kiss on the cheek would have been physically painful. Because his whole face was bruised. Yeah. Well, Every, he, any touching and 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 then the slapping and the yeah. putting the cross on his back and the scourging and everything else, everything else, Scott, that happened after Gethsemane was worse because of what happened in the garden. And I like to think of everything that happened beginning in the garden until he dies on the cross, it's just a continuation of really what happened in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Yeah. Well, and because of what happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, you just alluded to this, but one thing we don't even think of sometimes is how it, it was even painful for his clothing to be on his body, even that, let alone the robe that they later put on him, let alone the crown of thorns, let alone all of the uh, scourging and and cat of nine tails and everything yeah, else yeah. that he was subjected to in it, you know we think of those things as being an extremity and they are but in the condition Jesus was in we have no idea we have no we idea. can't even comprehend it you know some people think I don't know maybe maybe being somewhat uh, critical or overly analytic they think if he bled from every pore yeah he must have been a bloody mess. Why is that not more mentioned, or why isn't that more obvious or talked about? Or, and I love the way the church has tried to portray this in the in the church uh, Bible videos. You know, they show him that after he suffered in Gethsemane and before everyone came, 
that he went to the uh, the little brook, the little creek, the Kidron Kidron Brook, and that he washed himself there. He washed the blood off of himself, and he would have, you know, not been. It maybe wasn't so obvious to those who came to Judas and the Roman soldiers and even the high priests and the Sanhedrin that to uh, put him through a mockery of a trial after that because he'd washed himself in the brook. So I love the way the churches kind of portrayed that. So anyway, Scott, um, let me let me start maybe as we finish Gethsemane by reading that amazing scripture in Isaiah, and then Abinadi quotes it to King Noah's court in Mosiah chapter chapter fourteen. Uh, if we can go there, and if our readers are at home and they want to turn to their scriptures and follow along with us, I think we don't maybe uh, invite you enough to do that. I know some are driving and listening, and we don't want you reading scriptures while you drive. But but uh, if you're home. And you can turn to the scripture. I, I, I just I think this is the scripture of all scriptures for me. This is uh, Mosiah chapter fourteen, verses three through five, and I'll read six as well. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were. Our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquities of us all. That that is just such beautiful language. And and more so much more the language, the spirit of those verses just always gets to me, Scott. Um, in verse ten, it says, and I think when it's talking about him being bruised, Scott, they're specifically talking about what started to happen in the Garden of Gethsemane and wasn't fully culminated until the last three hours on the cross, where he was where he was in so much pain he was bleeding from every pore. But in verse 10, it reads, this is again Mosiah 14, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. I think that just, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's a, that's overwhelming to me, Scott. I I uh, 
whenever I hear this and think of this, it just brings kind of a reverent calmness, sure, but um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, the, you know, there's a hymn, I stand all amazed, right? And, and automatically, when I start considering this, Dave, I do stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me, yeah. right? Because of what he went through here, he did it for us. Uh, and we talked about that in some detail last week. But just to reiterate, you know, he did this for all of us. Uh, whether re- we repent or not, and uh, you know, quite a sacrifice. This is, and, and to even say it like that even sounds trite. Quite a sacrifice. You know, we don't, we can't even begin to comprehend. But we do know that it was because of his love for us that he went through what he went through, and that it is by him that the effects of the fall that we've talked about over the last several weeks are answered right here because of what he does here. Yeah. You brought this up uh, again today, and I think you mentioned it last in our last podcast, Scott, about Jesus suffering for all. And I talked about my study and invite our listeners to make a study of the phrase sins of the world and uh, learn something from, from how often that's in the Scriptures and where it's located in the Scriptures. But listen to what uh, this is President Nelson this is President Nelson in October 2018. Uh, I'm quoting him. Jesus Christ chose to submit to the will of his Father and do something for all of God's children that no one else could do, condescending to come to earth as the only begotten of the Father in the flesh. He was brutally reviled, mocked, spit upon, and scourged. In the Garden of Gethsemane, our Savior took upon himself, get this, Scott, every pain, every sin, and all of the anguish and suffering ever experienced by you and me and by everyone who has ever lived or will ever live under the weight of that excruciating burden he bled from every poor all of this suffering was intensified as he was cruelly crucified on calvary's cross through these excruciating experiences his subsequent death and resurrection his infinite atonement, he granted immortality to all and ransomed each one of us from the effects of sin on condition of our repentance. But I I love this. Uh, how many times does he use the word every? He took upon himself every pain, every sin, and all of the anguish and suffering ever experienced. By you and me, everyone that's lived, everyone that will live. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like all the world. And, and all that could be in the world. I mean, it's, it's, it's inclusive. And not, not, only, not only the sins of the world, but the pain and the consequences yeah. caused by those sins, Scott. By not only those, the perpetrators of sin but all of the victims of sin. 
he suffered for them. Whether they know about him or not, whether they believe in him or not, whether they repent or not. Now, of course, ultimately, as President Nelson says here, salvation, exaltation, redemption, being ransomed is a choice that we must eventually make and must have that uh, agency to make that choice. And that to be really completely efficacious and to save us, to be completely effective in our lives, we'll need to choose to repent, which I look forward to when we get into that part of our course. Yeah. How do we, how can we most effectively repent and receive the atonement of Jesus Christ in our life? Well, and you talk about the pains that come from sin, and that's an important part of it. There's no question, really a key part of it. There's no question. But but we also talk about, and we did a few minutes ago kind of allude to this, but he paid for not just the sins, but the pains that come from the effects of the fall of Adam and Eve, which will include yes. sickness mentally, emotionally, physically, and all other things associated to it. And so really, I guess, anything that's not perfect in our lives um, yet, he paid for those so that it, one day they may be. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk more about that when we get into the right. effects of the atonement. Uh, I, I love this quote in the, in the book, which I love, called, named The Infinite Atonement by Elder Callister. This is one of my favorite quotes from that book, Scott, describing the events and the suffering of the Savior. He writes, uh, this is a, uh, from the Infinite Atonement, page 119. The Savior submitted to the inhumanity of man. His body longed for sleep. He hungered. He felt the pains of sickness. He was in all respects subjected to every mortal failing experienced by the human family. By the way, Scott, uh, not only was he bruised, but to bleed from every pore, he would have been extremely dehydrated. I don't know if you've ever been sick. I know some of our listeners have experienced this. I know my wife has experienced this. I've never seen her so sick. I mean, to the point where she thought she was going to actually die when we were in Egypt because she was so dehydrated. And I, I didn't have any idea, I think, how close I came to losing her. But she was so sick, deliriously sick. Jesus Christ would have been the the, the medical term for bleeding bleeding from a pore, any pore, let alone all pores, is called hematidrosis. And hematidrosis, being a medical scientific term, is uh, the Mayo Clinic describes it as bringing on um, extreme dehydration. So he would have been extremely dehydrated. He would have been sick, nauseous, weary, weak, delirious in some ways. I, I mean, it's, it's just unfathomable, really, how much he suffered and the effects of what bleeding from every pore the pain that would have caused him, Scott. Not not just 
in the process of bleeding from every pore. But for hours after that, until he died, he suffered from that. Right. I'm I'm on one uh, page one nineteen of the book, The Infinite. Would you want to keep reading atonement? Because well, I don't I don't know exactly where he ended, but um, well, he was in all respects. Let me let me read, and you pick it up. Okay. He was in all respects subjected to every mortal failing experienced by the human family. Not once did he raise the shield of godhood in order to soften the blows. Not, Not once, once did he don the bulletproof vest of divinity. That he also had godly powers did not make his suffering any less excruciating, any less poignant, or any less real. To the contrary, it was for this very reason that his suffering was more, not less, than his mortal counterparts could experience. He took upon him infinite suffering, but chose to defend with only mortal faculties. With but one exception, and, and this is really important that we understand this, because this, this concept uh, really was the thing that qualified, one of the things that qualified Jesus to do what he did. We couldn't have done what he did, and here's why. His, his godhood was summoned to hold off unconsciousness and death. In essence, the twin relief um, mechanisms of man. So we know that, uh, you know, unconsciousness and death, that's our relief mechanisms. That would otherwise overpower a mere mortal when he reached his threshold of pain. For the Savior, however, there would be no such relief. His divinity would be called upon not to immunize him from the pain, but to enlarge the, re the receptacle that would hold it. He simply b brought a larger cup to hold the bitter drink. The bitter cup. Yeah. That's that's amazing insight yeah. from Elder Tad Callister. I, I'm grateful to him for that and uh, love that. Um, he never called upon or summoned his godhood to lessen the pain. In fact, to the contrary, his godhood yeah. allowed him to feel pain that no one else could ever feel and survive because it allowed him to hold off unconsciousness and death yeah you know I, it's it's amazing and incomprehensible to think about amazing love amazing grace yeah um i am really um grateful scott for the again i'm reminding everyone, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints especially, how grateful we should all be for the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ in its fullness, for the prophet Joseph Smith and the revelations, for the Book of Mormon, the doctrine and covenants that helps us to understand in more detail of his suffering in Gethsemane. It was... And and going on in to Calgary and on the cross, n no one really can understand or appreciate what Jesus suffered without the revealed truths of the restoration, Scott. And we sh we of all people should be humbled, meek, grateful. In fact, let me just remind us all that the. The reason we're even talking about the events 
of the atonement of Jesus Christ is to help us not only to understand what he suffered, but to be more grateful. And in that gratitude comes the highest motivation and desire to repent and to be better. Yeah. When you really understand, Scott, I think, the events of the atonement, uh, it's transforming. It, it, the gratitude and the, uh, and when you understand not only the, not only what he suffered, but our role in that suffering, it's, uh, it's really humbling. I, I, um, spoke about this in a, many years ago when I was a seminary teacher and institute teacher I was invited by a stake president to speak to their youth and I was speaking about this and I remember the stake president just just weeping behind me uh, I was standing at the stand and he, he and I were the only ones on the stand and I just remember the sweet stake president just weeping and I remember what, having the kids watch this good man, their, their leader, their priesthood leader, uh, weeping and how they, I think it was almost incomprehensible for them in their youth to try to understand what he was feeling. And Scott, I know I've felt that as well in my life. I know the prophets feel that. I know nobody fully can understand or appreciate the atonement of Jesus Christ unless they understand the role that they played in it and what he suffered not only for them but because, because of them yeah. but because of them right and this is this is described uh, Scott in 1st Nephi chapter 19 i want to go to first nephi chapter 19 again if you're home and you want to turn to us you might want to mark these two verses i'm going to we, we should read verse 7 and 9 first nephi 19 verse 7 scott if you want to read verse 7 then i'll read verse 9 all right so this is uh first nephi chapter 19 verse 7 for the things which some men esteem to be of great worth both to the body and the soul others set it not and trample under their feet yea even the very god of israel do men trample under their feet i say trample under their feet but i would speak in other words they set him at naught and hearken not to the voice of his counsels how many times have you and me how many times have I done that? How many times have I trampled him? How many times have I... Anyway, verse 9. And the world, because of their iniquity, shall judge him, Jesus Christ, to be a thing of naught. Wherefore, they... Who's they, Scott? Uh, they's everybody. The but, world. But, but, right? but specifically... Any of us, right, who have sinned, right, who have, yeah. who have hearkened not to the voice of his right. counsels, yeah, the world, because of their iniquity, shall judge him to be a thing of naught. Wherefore they scourge him. That's us. 
and he suffereth it. And they smite him. Also us. And he suffereth it. Yea, they spit upon him. Mm. And he suffereth it. Because of his loving kindness and his long suffering towards the children of men. Yeah. I think, and I know a lot of us are thinking this, well, I surely wouldn't trample you know the the I, I, god i i wouldn't i wouldn't trample god but it says but they set him at naught and hearken not unto the voice of his counsels and so if we uh, if we if we do that in any part then we are in part also trampling under the, our feet the very god of israel that uh, is being referred to here and and so you know we we need to i think it's i think it's easy sometimes maybe not for many Maybe not for everybody, but but I think it's easy sometimes to be uh, read something like that. Trample under their feet the very God of Israel. I think it would be easy for all of us initially to say, well, I've never done that. I would never trump, trample under my feet the very God of Israel. And, and I believe that a lot of us would truly believe that. But if you come down here and read, okay, well, how do we define what that means? In other words, they set him at naught. And hearken not unto the voice of his counsels. Right. <laughs> anytime we, anytime we hearken not under the voice of his counsels, we are then by this scripture trampling him under our feet, and scourging him, and smiting him, and the one that gets me the most. Me too. I couldn't even say it. Is spitting? Yeah. On him. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. When we get into talk about repentance in uh, several weeks from now but when we start talking about repentance God I this these two verses this passage of scripture is one that really lends itself to breaking my heart and making my spirit contrite yeah I mean that's one of the really essentials of repentance is a broken heart contrite spirit and when we understand what our role in the atonement of Jesus Christ and his suffering, how he not only paid for our sins, but suffered yeah. <laughs> for our sins. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Nephi understood this principle. Nephi saw this. He, uh, there's that passage. And then if we go back a few verses or chapters, Scott, to First Nephi chapter 11, this amazing chapter, uh, chapter on the condescension of god how how a god would come down to earth and be man become mortal and the suffering uh, you know i remember the great controversy when the movie mel gibson put out what was that called the passion the passion of christ i remember the great controversy i kind of followed it <laughs> on the internet uh, you know it, he made it look like the jews had really caused the death of Jesus and the, the the Jews were really offended by that and said it was the Romans and it was the Roman soldiers who had crucified Jesus and and it was their fault and there was anyway there was just a lot of controversy about it and and uh, I found that interesting and one day I was reading the Book of Mormon and I read this passage and I thought well they're both wrong uh, because look at what Nephi Look at the description he gives of the Savior suffering, 
and uh, look at who he says caused the death of Christ. Verse 32, this is 1 Nephi 11, 32 and 33. And it came to pass that the angel spake unto me again, saying, Look. And I looked and beheld the Lamb of God, that he was taken by the people. Yea, the Son of the everlasting God was judged of the world. And I saw and bear record. And I saw that he was lifted upon the cross and slain for the sins of the world. It wasn't any one group that caused the suffering and ultimately the death of Jesus. It was, uh, it was all of us. So I think... Uh, as we move again, Scott, from Gethsemane and we see Jesus um, and keep in mind um, Jesus had washed Judas's feet. That's, that's just amazing to me. Jesus knew who his traitor was and uh, Jesus had washed his feet. And then right after Gethsemane, and he's bled from every pore and maybe washed himself, then um, Judas shows up with Roman soldiers and uh, kisses him on the cheek, which would have been painful, and he's betrayed and taken to uh, the house of Caiaphas eventually, and there he goes through a mockery of a trial, is slapped, is uh, spit upon, is, uh, you know, persecuted, verbally abused, you know, physically abused, and um, suffers all of that. Again, Gethsemane would have made all of that worse because of what he had suffered there. And... Uh, and then uh, morning finally comes. You know, there's there's articles have been written about the uh, how illegal it was according to the law to have a trial in the middle of the night. Jews breaking their own their own laws. These hypocrites. Christ had called them that the Tuesday before he was crucified. Hypocrites. These whited sepulchers. Take him to. Pilate accuse him of sedition and treason. And uh, anyway, so he spends time with Pilate. We'll maybe review this during Easter week too. Pilate finds out he's a Galilean and Herod's in town for the Passover. Um, so he sends him to Herod and Herod asks him questions and Christ won't answer and they strip him and put on a robe and mock him. And uh, they send him back to Pilate. And Pilate offers Barabbas, a murderer. I think he's probably the most hardened criminal in Jerusalem. Because Pilate thought that the Jews would rather let Jesus go than the worst criminal in Jerusalem. But <coughs> Satan had uh, now taken over and and the people were uh, when offered... Jesus or Barabbas, 
they they took Barabbas and freed him. According to the Passover, every year they could let someone go free. Anyway, Scott, um, and I'm a little melancholy talking about all this. I'm sorry. Um, so Pilate washes his hands and gives into the crowd who's chanting crucify him. And uh, they scourge him. Uh, they scourge him, which would kill some people. You know, the 39 lashings with sharp pieces of metal or whatever they could put on the end of the whip. Um, and he goes through that, which again would have been worse because of what he suffered in Gethsemane. And he put the cross on his back, carries it towards Calgary or the place of the skull, which is so interesting. You can still see that skull in the side of the mountain. It looks like a skull. I'm excited for you to go in the next few weeks. And uh, they put a thorn on his head, the king mocking him as the king of the Jews. They nail him to a cross, two hands, uh, both of his hands and his wrists have nails in them. And one nail, one huge nail through both of his feet. And they tamp that cross into the ground be between two thieves and uh, mock him and all of that that goes on. And uh, he makes some statements, talks to the thieves, tries to comfort them. You know, well, even one of them. Well, he's on the cross, yeah. Well, even one of them mocks him. Yeah. And um, anyway, and looks down at his mother, and he's concerned about his mother, and says to John, his disciple, Behold thy mother. And uh, kind of tells John, Please take care of my mother. And uh, then at 12 noon, all hell breaks loose, Scott, and. And um, on the cross, it was worse than Gethsemane. I want to really try to have our listeners understand that. I, the brethren have, I think, tried hard, if people will pay attention to uh, what they're saying about the cross. Uh, I have found it interesting in my study how Jesus himself focuses his suffering more on the cross than yeah. he does on in Gethsemane. The, uh, he does so in the Doctrine and Covenants, in the Revelations. He talks about being crucified for the sins of the world. Uh, he only talks about Gethsemane once in the Doctrine and Covenants. He talks about being crucified for the sins of the world at least six times in the Doctrine and Covenants. Um, it's so interesting that he talks about it with his disciples in America, in uh, Third Nephi, uh, chapter 27, he, he says, I was lifted upon the cross. That's, that was his focus. And, and it's, not, it's not the nails as painful, as physically terrible as that would be, but it's what happened between 12 noon and 3 p.m. when he finally dies. Um, it's what happens in those three hours. And at 12 noon, you know, he cries out, 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And uh, Scott, he he goes through the worst of it for the next three hours. The spiritual darkness and death that he would have suffered. Not only was there not an angel there to strengthen him, as there had been in Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, but now all the sins are pressed upon him on the cross. There's no angels. In fact, even the Father has had to withdraw his presence so that the Son could feel all of it, all of it pressed upon him, all by himself, all alone, completely isolated, completely on his own. And and there's the weight. Uh, I, I, uh, let me back up just a little bit. You know, I think, and, and we're going to be talking about this in our institute class in a couple of weeks, so... If you're listening, be prepared. But I think I, I have a picture in mind. I don't own this picture, but it's available, and, and there's variations of it everywhere, of Jesus hanging on the cross between the two robbers. Mm-hmm. And uh, and while he's hanging on the cross, there's people you know, in the painting. I don't know. I wasn't there, but I like to think about this. I like to contemplate you know, what, 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 what's going on. And then I like to put myself, you know, for example, there's a Roman soldier for maybe in this picture, you know, at the foot of the cross or, or nearby there. And then there's citizens and there's others that are walking by, happening by. And then there are obviously disciples. And I just, I always wonder what were in the thoughts of those that were present? You know, what are they feeling? What are they thinking? What, what, what witnesses of the spirit are some of them receiving at this time? What, uh, what, uh, poignant, kind of pricks of the soul or others may be receiving, you know, maybe as a, as a, uh, a, a Roman soldier, you know, maybe did I have, if I was a Roman soldier, would there have been something that came up in me that was like, Hey, what's going on? This feels different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? And, and I think, cause I don't think that we could have been present there. I don't think anybody could have been present there. Even the rocks, right? We talk about, mm-hmm. hey, and maybe we'll make mention that again, but you know, even the rocks, you know, at that time there were earthquakes and, mm-hmm. and, you know, rocks broke apart and there was a, even the rocks broke, you know, during that time, the souls the of earth, yeah, the hearts of the souls the of earth. men, mother earth was did growing. not, but mother earth was going through because of the pains that he was going through, yep. which is culmination of all of our pains all at once. Uh, and I, I think, I think that deserves our contemplation and reflection, especially as we're coming towards this Easter time. I think, I think we should spend time thinking about what's my relationship there? How would I have been? What what would my thoughts, my feelings be? And really dig, not just go into, well, of course they're this or of course they're that because, you know, we're conditioned to, to come up with answers. Well, of course they're this or of course they're that. But if we really do a soul search and if we really believe or if we really dive into what's happening inside of me, maybe take, again, a personal inventory opportunity, to find out what is my relationship or what might would have my relationship been at that time in that place and why and 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 where i feel maybe like 
it would be in, in ways that, you know, if I'm honest and searching and thorough about this part of my life, right, there may be things that come up for me. There, there may be revelations that are brought to me that mm-hmm. are, you know what, Scott, he paid for that too. It's mm-hmm. time, you know, it's time. It's these types of contemplations that can enable us to allow the effects, which we'll talk about, of the events of the atonement of Jesus Christ to be uh, at work in my life. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Um, there's a few. There's a few things that we'll finish up uh, in our next podcast on the events. Uh, I'm sitting here contemplating, you know, some things that I I didn't talk about that happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, and in our next podcast, and kind of uh, maybe summarize and finish in some detail the events. Uh, but I'm just uh, really thankful that he was willing to die for me. And of all of the suffering that he went through, that he was willing to do that for me. And I, I don't know how it is for other people when they're in their, in their prayers and their expression to Heavenly Father trying to express their gratitude for their Savior and Redeemer, I always feel impressed when I pray daily and try to thank Him for that. To thank the Father, I, I just think, I don't know, I have felt in some of my prayers the suffering of the Father in all of this process. You know, I think, I just, when He told Abraham, to offer Isaac. <sighs> you know, um, there's worse things than death. And sometimes it's watching your children suffer and die. Uh, that can almost be worse than death itself. I mean, I think a parent would sometimes rather go through the suffering and death rather than, if they could choose, rather than to witness or experience or see their child go through that. And yet the father, think what he had to endure. Watching this, his, his only begotten in the flesh, his firstborn in the spirit, his, his son, his precious, holy son, who had never sinned, who had only wanted the will of the father, accepts the will of the Father, and then suffers for all of the other spirit children of the Father. I just, I can't imagine the the heartache, the difficulty, and yet the gratitude that Heavenly Father must have had as he experienced this. Yeah. as he experienced this atonement with Jesus, even though he had withdrawn from him. So um, that's an important part, I think, of the events, is to contemplate what the Father felt, and who knows what the hev- our Heavenly Mother must have known or what she felt. Um, so there's so many things, I think, to contemplate and hope that we think about these things. Uh, look unto me in every thought he has told us, especially 
that should be true on the Sabbath when we renew our covenants, partake of the sacrament. Hope we can think about these uh, thoughts. And uh, we'll finish up uh, maybe in our next podcast talking about the events of uh, our Savior's atoning sacrifice. These are important topics. Um, I, I, I can't find the quote. I wish I could. But I know that Elder Holland, I believe, made reference to what Heavenly Father's experience might have been as he uh, witnessed. Yeah, he does that in a conference talk, and then they made it a, a church video uh, out of that, Scott. Yeah. Uh, you know, talks uh, about his loneliness. Yeah. And then if uh, any of us are ever lonely, yeah, we can appreciate to some degree, some small. Well, the, the difference between the loneliness we might feel and the loneliness he felt there that day was that never. his. Yeah, we we will never be fully forsaken. We'll never be alone. Right. And, and totally. Uh, and, and he was totally alone. He had to be. And all of that pressed upon him. And that 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 must have been difficult, even for uh, not for just three hours in Gethsemane. Yeah. But that, for. Many hours after that, until he died at 3 p.m. the the next day. But me, being a father of sons, if I were to watch one of my sons suffer and know that that in order for the plan to work yeah. out is that that suffering needed to go through and that I needed to leave him alone, that would be difficult. I know you would, I know I would, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of parents would give their lives for their imagine. kids without even thinking about it. And here is our Heavenly Father having to watch that. I just can't even begin to comprehend. But as we do, as we think and contemplate about these things, uh, we'll have an opportunity this coming Sunday to partake of the sacrament again. And as we prepare to do that, may we begin even now uh, to prepare to partake of the sacrament. And as we think about the covenants and the covenants that were made through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we get to renew each time we go there, which qualify us, those covenants qualify us to put on the complete atonement of Jesus Christ uh, and thereby become one day joint heirs with he and the Father. Uh, I, I just am so grateful for all of that. And, uh, you know, none of us deserve it. None yeah. of us will ever be able to earn it except through our broken heart and contrite spirit. I, I wrote something the other day, Scott. You know, it was early in the morning, and I was thinking about this. And that's so why I wrote the following. Living the gospel is not the tedious process of conforming to commandments. Rather, it is the blessed process of Jesus Christ transforming us through his atonement. Yeah. When I was young, I tried to conform my life to the commandments so I wouldn't need his atonement. Now that I'm old, I keep the commandments because I have been transformed through his atonement. I I think that's what I hope we accomplish in this podcast speaking about the events of the atonement and I really for me I guess I can only speak for me is um, when I really understand the events and my role in those events and what my Savior is willing to do to suffer just for me uh, it's transforming and I, I keep the commandments 
because that is the least I can do when he implored his disciples in the upper room, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, I love him, Scott, because he loved me first. Yep. And when we understand the events of the atonement of Jesus Christ, this is the greatest evidence of his infinite love for me, for each of us individually. And when I feel that in my heart and understand that, uh, it's transforming. And I hope that that's, that's what all of us will, will get out of this. Well, and there's a deep sense of joy and peace that comes from that very feeling, you know, I, and I often say, you know, it, that's, that's my, that's my goal is to just have peace and joy uh, and peace. Uh, happiness will come and go, you know, but even in, because of what the things that we've talked about, and we'll continue to talk about, but even in my difficulties, as extreme as sometimes they may seem. I know that uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ and his atonement, the power that comes through that, rather, uh, that uh, I, I can have that peace and I can have that joy in any in any circumstance in my life. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being with us, everybody. We look forward to being with you again next week. Remember that you have been redeemed through his blood. Also remember our invitation at the beginning of this podcast to please send us any of your experiences that may uh, go along with the things that we're talking about. You can do this at he redeems us at gmail.com. Thanks for being with us.